Good Saturday morning to everybody and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob! Hey there, Gary. How you doing this morning? I'm a little better. Not a much, better. but a little better okay. from last week. Um, Moving in the right direction. I, slowly, but surely, yes. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Getting towards the end of the year, getting the 2024 goals ready, you know. I wanted to ask you, now that we're in the Christmas season or Hanukkah, the whole uh, season of, of giving, uh, the new year just, you know, uh, you know, less than a month away from now, uh, or is it, or it's a voice yeah. about, yeah, um, is this typically a slow time for not just mortgage brokers or mortgage advisors, but anybody who works in the entire, under the entire umbrella of real estate, from advisors to agents to brokers to... You know, I would say if you ask anyone that's been in the real estate industry for more than a couple of years, they would say as far as new customer acquisition and lead generation... December, November and December are definitely the slowest months. I think that's, you know, natural given the obligations that everybody has for the year. And most know that getting a mortgage or buying a home has a process to it and it's it can be a little bit cumbersome as far as the time that needs to be involved, right? So many put that aside and make that a New Year's goal. Sure. So I always have a huge kickoff for me from a marketing standpoint for January. I actually had a meeting last week with a marketing firm I worked with last year and had great success doing a first-time homebuyer seminar in the early part of the year last year. Um, we helped almost half a dozen people buy homes that came to that seminar that we did online oh. last year. And I said it was so successful then, and now I have even more programs for first-time buyers available that I'm like, we need to kick this off. Let's even move it up. Let's do it in uh, early to mid-January. So we're going to be doing another first-time homebuyer online seminar um, in January now, and that's a huge part of the marketing play because for me, I'm looking at it as – you know, New Year's resolution. A lot of people have finance as part of that. A lot of people have home buying as part of that. How can we play in and be top of mind when people are looking to buy homes and finance homes? So doing a first-time home buyer seminar, especially doing it online at that time of year where it's cold, people don't want to really leave their home. Uh, it was successful before. I'm sure it'll be successful again. But I see a lot of realtors and lenders take their eye off the ball and not do that pre-planning. And then end up in January and February wondering, why don't I have any business? Why don't I have anything? What we actually see, though, for in-process deals, you know, November, December can be very busy because you've got people that are closing in December that maybe went under contract in October, right? So it's a process. So sometimes there are deals going on. There are appraisals happening and closings happening in December. But those are deals, again, that kind of planted seeds months earlier. I would just think that being caught up in the festive season, people's minds are gift giving, the tree, you know, money is going towards this, you know, gifts and I don't know, generally speaking, how much they're thinking of, well, we, we're we moving in the month of December, you know. Or. So you got to have flexibility to do it. The ones that have the most success are the single or mobile, you know, couples that are working remote or, you know, very, I guess they're just able to move easily, 
right? Yeah. So they don't have kids. They don't have to worry about taking them in and out of school. They don't have to worry about what school system they're in and all these specifics. You know, those people can have a ton of success in these winter months, in these slower months, because you've got the flexibility that sellers are looking for right now. And from a buyer standpoint, you've got more negotiation power. The people that are in the market, whether it be selling a home or buying a home in that winter month, in the holiday season, as you phrased it, they're serious about buying and selling a home because who's going to do it if you're not if you don't need to. If you're, But not I'm looking serious. at the inventory and just like in the past week alone, I'm like, oh. Nothing's come on. I'm, let's say I'm looking at four towns, let's say. I look at the same four towns every day. I check on new listings. That's just like, the seasonality, well, that's you just, know, especially now, now that we're hitting that December, we're into December. It's like somebody's listing their house now. There's a reason. Why are they listing it now and they didn't list it in September? Right. When they could have maybe done it a little more successfully. Or why didn't they do it in the summer when they could have gotten top dollar for their home? So there's a reason behind it. There's a story behind it. But you do have a lot of people that hold off both on the selling end and buying end that say, no, I don't want to mess with that now. I'm focused on my family. I'm focused on the things that are going on, the events and the time of year, and I'm going to hold off. That's also why we see the floodgates open in January with a lot of people coming in, looking at homes, looking to get pre-approved. You say floodgates in January. Yes. Is that kind of the unofficial beginning of the season for... Or is it March, April? It's definitely, you know, especially up here in New England, it takes until you get towards spring to get a lot of people out of the house, right? But I have a lot of home buyers. I just say, especially first time buyers and young couples, they'll come to me in the first couple weeks of January looking to kick off their New Year's goals, looking to get a head start on what they plan for the year. And we get pre-approvals. I can tell you story after story of people that called me, even some at the end of December. I, I have one in particular. I remember getting a call like between Christmas and New Year's on then those couple days. It was a serious young couple looking to buy a home that was referred by another client. And you know what? Within 45 days of me pre-approving them, they were under contract on a beautiful new home. They couldn't have done that in any other time of year, but because they were young, they were aggressive, they were decisive, they were able to take the bull and run, you know, run with it. I thought I saw something in the news just this past week. I don't know if I read it or if I saw it online or if it was on television where they were talking about the way people are buying and selling homes is going to change. Um, Where maybe it's had more to do with the real estate agent and their percentage, maybe percentage. Oh, yeah, yeah, all that commission is changing. We don't really know how that's going to end up. Um, It's too soon to say. I don't think it's going to be a drastic change from, at least from my standpoint, from the mortgage standpoint of how things work. There may be some different agreements. There may be some people that are paid a little bit differently than Mm -hmm. they were. But I think at the end of the day, the commission that a realtor makes, specifically a buyer's agent, it's you know there's it's going to be worked in somewhere. It's just going to be done differently than it was before. So what I find, you know, we've talked about getting ready ahead of time, and I think. The opportunity is now for a lot of listeners that want to get a head start for next year because 
it doesn't happen overnight. And if you've got things you need to work on, whether that be your budget, your assets, money for a down payment or credit, now's the time to get that leg up and get your strategy and plan in place. So what I wanted to dive into in today's episode, the timing is so perfect for this because I want to talk about credit in the context of navigating credit for home ownership and getting ready for buying a home in the context of your credit. Maybe you're ready right now, or maybe you have work to do. Let's find out where you're at and do the legwork so that next year can be the year that you buy a home or are able to refinance your home. All right, then let's start with the role that credit plays in the whole mortgage application progress and how significant is, you know, it, maybe its impact on the interest rates that are being offered right. by the lender to the home buyer. Credit scores are the most critical factor in in the process. There's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle, obviously, but credit is the one thing that if you don't have it at all, your options are limited to none. We can stop the conversation right there. Are there loans that you can get with no credit score? Yes, but they're – There's a lot of uh, pieces to that puzzle, right? So in order to have the most flexibility and have access to the best options, you have to have credit. It's a critical factor. And it does have a big influence on the interest rates that you're going to get, especially if you're getting a conventional mortgage. The only mortgage programs that I know of that don't severely penalize you for having a low credit score are going to be your government-backed loans, your FHA loans, your VA, your USDA. Those don't have the same... Uh, credit score hits to the interest rate that mm-hmm. the conventional mortgages do. But if you're trying to get a conventional loan, in almost every case, you know, credit's going to be that crucial factor in the pricing. Um, how much money you're putting down obviously plays in your debt to income ratio, the type of property that you're buying, the exact type of loan that you're getting can play in the term 15 years, 30 years. Right. That can all play in. But the credit score, again, that's that's the biggest piece of that puzzle. So if you're a lower credit borrower and you're listening to us right now, then that first tidbit I just gave you is if you have credit challenges, you're going to want to gravitate to those government-backed loans because that's going to make the impact on your interest rate a lot lower than if you try to go get a conventional mortgage with a 620 or a 640 credit score. It can be very challenging, not from the approval standpoint necessarily, but from the pricing standpoint, how expensive that mortgage is going to be. Both the interest rate you're going to pay as well as the fees that you have to pay, the points that you have to pay to get that rate. Can you explain the key components of a credit score? I mean, how are these factors weighed when determining mortgage eligibility? Right. So the credit bureaus, the three different credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, they all have their black box calculations that they do to come up with that credit score. And when a mortgage lender gets your credit score, we're getting generally credit scores from all three credit bureaus. And then we're using the middle of those three scores, not the median, but the middle of the three scores. Okay, that's very important distinction to make. Each one of the credit bureaus has a different factor and a different weight and a different calculation that they use. And unfortunately, in the current world we're in, they don't have to show us their calculation. They don't have to show us how they make that score. So I can tell you, though, they do give us some information, which is what factors weigh in. And I want to tell you what those factors are and also how to navigate them and and exactly how they affect your score or what they entail. So the first one is going to be payment history. What payment history is going to be is how often do you pay your bills late? 
30 days late is what they're looking at. If you have any bills that are paid more than 30 days late, and I'm talking about credit, not necessarily like your utility bill or your uh, oil bill or something like that, but your actual credit cards, your mortgages, your student loans, anything that reports to credit. If you're 100% current, you've never had any late payments and you have 100% payment history, okay? But if you have even one late payment more than 30 days, that payment history is now downgraded. And if you have multiple late payments, especially if you have them in a row or, you know, back to back, then that's a big, big problem when it comes to the payment history factor that we need to move forward with. So payment history, all the credit bureaus look at it. Credit utilization, that's looking at what percentage of your credit are you using. So if you have a credit card with a $1,000 limit and you're using $100, you're 10% utilized. At the same time, if you have a $1,000 limit and you use $900, you're 90% utilized. The higher your utilization is, the higher risk you are. That's a big telltale sign of someone moving towards financial problems is maxing out your credit cards or using a large portion of those limits, high utilization. The next factor is going to be length of credit history. So they look at what's the average length of all your credit. They actually use an average there. So they'll look, okay, you've had that card for a year. You've had that one for five years. You've had that one for two months. Oh, you've had that mortgage for you know four years. And then they'll average your total length of, of your accounts. And that average, the longer it is, the more points you get on your credit score. Uh, if you have a lot of accounts opened recently... That can be a red flag. That can cause your score to be a bit lower because it's a high risk. We don't know. How are you going to use those accounts? If you just opened an auto and three credit cards a few months ago, how are you going to handle that? Are you going to be able to make the auto payment and juggle all those credit cards or are you going to go behind? So I found that all the credit bureaus use a level of skepticism when it comes to new accounts. They assume that you're going to have a problem potentially with that account. So they don't give you all the points until you've proven yourself. Generally, I found in the like the six-month range, once you've had an account for six months and you've paid it on time, that they'll start really uh, positively helping your score. The next factor is going to be type of credit used. Mortgage versus credit card versus auto loan versus personal loan versus medical bill. These are all different types of credit. The credit bureaus want to see that you are you have a good mix. You're diversified in the types of credit that you're using. A great mix would be like one mortgage, one auto loan, maybe two credit cards. You don't want to be weighted where you've got like 20 credit cards and an auto loan, and that's your mix. You definitely want to have that diversification, like I said. Um, And then the last one that we'll touch on here is going to be new credit slash new inquiries. So inquiries on your credit can have an effect on on the score, but also the new credit we were talking about, taking out new credit. So all of this factors in. The good thing is you don't have to know about it. It seems confusing, but... This is why a lot of people just ignore credit. Work with an expert that understands this stuff so I can look at each one of these and tell you here's what you need to do to improve it. Lenders are going to look at all these factors, but from an evaluation standpoint, you'll be happy to know that we have tools called automated underwriting engines that actually look at this from a computerized, from an artificial intelligence standpoint to let us know whether that loan can be approved or not for a lot of the loan programs. 20 credit cards, huh? Wow. It's um, happened. Really? Oh, yeah. How far back do they go? If, if you're 55 and you were late more than 30 days on a credit card from when you were 24. 
Oh no, I wouldn't think something like that. Are they going to go? And you're 55. So you know, I you know, I don't know the exact answer to that. How far back do they go? And I don't think that it's you know public knowledge where they say we go back to this specific date. A couple pieces of information that'll help you navigate that is the more recent it is, the more effect that it has. So I've looked at credit reports where people have a late payment 30 days or more in the last month or two. Those you see it's devastated, right? We'll see credit scores go down 100 points or more. But the further away you get from the delinquency, the more you'll see the points go up. Okay, so generally any late payment in the last 12 months, more than 30 days is going to have a very big impact. Once you get to two years, it's less. And then my experience is when you get to like more than two years, the late payment was more than two years ago. That's where it has little, very little effect, more than three years. I would even say almost no effect. But it's all about how do you overcome that challenge? We all will have a challenge in our life where we go late on an account. I've rarely seen somebody in their 70s or 80s that never had a late payment ever. But how do you overcome? that was it isolated one time where you've moved on or was this a downward spiral look there are many people who are working to improve their credit score there's got to be some effective strategies though for for boosting your credit especially for those who are looking to secure a mortgage right yeah i would say the number one tip is going to be paying your bills on time no more than 30 days late that's it if you just do that one thing your credit score will have a chance to move forward. Because when I look at people with lower credit, they generally do have a late payment or a collection that's come up in the last 12 months. So that one tip alone could save you a ton of money and give you a lot of points on your score. The next thing is going to be reducing your credit card balances. So if you already have done what you can and you say, hey, my credit, it's as good as I can get it. I've been making my payments on time, but I'm still being held back. My credit score is still in the low 600s. Why is that? This is where you're going to want to look at your balances, specifically your credit card balances, because the credit uh, the credit utilization has a really big impact from these credit card balances. So the general rule that I tell all my clients is look at the limit on those credit cards and use the 50-30-10 rule. Whatever the limit is, we want to make sure the balance gets down to 50% of the limit first, then 30% of the limit, and then ideally, if you want the maximum points on your credit, 10% of the limit. And I know that sounds crazy because on a $1,000 credit card, that's only a $100 balance. But if you want to save the most money on your mortgage, if you want the best shot at approval and you want every point you can on your credit score, then pay the cards down to 10% or less. It's that It's really that simple, and a lot of people don't know that, that that's a strategy to use. You also want to avoid opening multiple new accounts. So I've seen people, especially those that had lower credit for years, all of a sudden they'll see their credit jump for the first time into the 600s, and they'll get so excited that I've done it. I finally made it. I've been in the 4 and 500s for years. I've been working. Now I'm in the 600s, and I can actually get a credit card. And they'll go and they'll apply with every single bank and credit union they can, and they'll load up on all these like $300 credit cards or $250 cards because their credit really isn't great. It's just good enough. You don't want to do any sort of multiple applications. You want to be very responsible when it comes to your credit inquiries. I would tell you if you're new to the credit game or you're rebuilding, two to three credit cards. Don't go crazy. Two to three credit cards is enough. I don't like store cards at all. So try to stay away from those. But definitely your Visa, MasterCard type of uh, uh, credit cards can be a good place to be able to manipulate in your favor the credit score a little bit. Uh, Another thing that you want to do is check your credit reports regularly. If you're in 
discussion with a mortgage advisor. We can help you with different um, tools that you can use. But if you're just going upon your day-to-day life and you want to be responsible with your finances, look at your credit score at least two Where? to three times a Where? year, annualcreditreport.com. That's the website. That's the free website that the government puts out for people to be able to look at their credit uh, completely free. Now, they're not going to give you your score for free. They're going to give you the report for free. You get one report per bureau per year for free. So you can get like three bureaus. There's three bureaus. You can get like one every four or five months, right? If you kind of do the math on that. Every three or four months, I guess it would really be, right? So use that to see what's going on with your credit. Use annualcreditreport.com. I don't like their credit scores, but at least use them for the actual uh, verification of what's on your report. Folks, you're listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show in the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Along with Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. You can contact him very easily at 860-413-3938 and online at robgw.com. I'll I'll repeat those uh, points of contact more towards the end of the show. I would imagine, Rob, there's a lot of misconceptions about how credit works in the context of, let's say, home ownership and, and what are some important truths people should be aware of. So the big myth that I hear a lot is that checking your credit hurts your credit score. I heard that too. That's the biggest one by far. Uh, It's a myth because checking your own credit is a soft inquiry. So if you're checking your own credit, there's there's no effect to your credit at all. There's no inquiry. Um, obviously, if you're going around to mortgage lenders and checking a hard inquiry, then there's something called a shopping window where you can have your credit checked by multiple lenders within a 30 to 45 day timeline without it affecting your credit. But I have people that just think anytime my credit is pulled, it doesn't matter. It's a bad thing. And that's just not the case, especially if it's a self pull. Um, a, a truth that you want to know is that closing old accounts can hurt your credit. And a lot of people don't know that one. If you have this old credit card, maybe since college, or I've seen people now that have credit cards open in the 80s and 90s. I love seeing that. It really you know, shows a strong uh, history for decades, and they don't understand. It's like, oh, well, I haven't used that card in a couple of years. I'm just going to get rid of it. Well, you're actually har- harming yourself because having those credit cards that have decades of history, positive history, has a huge positive impact on your credit score. So it's a truth that closing those old accounts will have a big negative impact uh, for sure. Uh, there's a myth about the credit scores that the lenders use. Every day, people call me saying Credit Karma said my credit score was a 685 or Credit Sesame said my credit was a 700. But those are not real credit scores that are FICO scores that are being used by mortgage lenders. The only website that I can personally endorse to say that it will give you 100% accuracy on your mortgage credit scores that a lender will use is going to be myfico.com, M-Y-F-I-C-O, myfico.com. Yes, it costs money. There's a free trial. But if you're serious about buying a home in your credit, go get the free trial. Get the three bureau subscription with my FICO, it is 100% accurate. If they tell you your middle credit score is a 684 and I pull your credit the same day or any lender pulls your credit the same day, it will come back at that. I've never had it fail. So it's a little hack that I've been using with my clients, especially those that want to get ahead of the game financially with their credit to use that. Uh, Another myth, Gary, is the credit updates. People think that credit updates immediately. So if I pay my credit card today off, 
then tomorrow it'll be on the credit report. Or if I take out an auto loan today, then next week when you run my credit to get a mortgage, that auto will be on there. And that's just not the case. Generally, I tell my clients it can take between three and four weeks on average, for a change that you make to actually report to the credit bureaus. So that's a big one. Uh, And then the last myth that I'll talk about is the late payments we were talking uh, last question about. One 30-day late payment isn't going to hurt my credit. A lot of people have that mentality. Oh, yeah, I paid my bills for years. I I, I screwed up that one time. That one late payment is not going to mean a big deal. I had that happen to a lady buying a home in Cromwell, just last week, and her credit, one late payment took her credit from 780 down to 689 okay? One late payment. And she said to me, Rob, it was a mistake. The bank screwed up. They sent me something in the mail. My mail got held, and I didn't get it. And next thing you knew, my card went 30 days behind. And she was pleading every which way that her credit shouldn't have gone down, but it did. And her credit went down almost 100 points. So having one 30-day payment can have a big impact on your credit. And sometimes it can make the difference between your mortgage getting approved or not. All right. Final question. In the journey to homeownership, are there particular credit challenges that homeowners or, excuse me, home buyers commonly face? And, and how can they How can they overcome these hurdles? I would say the main challenge I see, the particular credit challenge that I see with first-time buyers is lack of credit history and having previous challenges. I think a lot of people can resonate with the fact that a lot of people in their late teens, early 20s make financial mistakes. They take out more debt than they can. They don't pay bills that they should, and they just get into a bad financial predicament. It's very, very common. So how do you get beyond that to where you can be eligible to buy a home? Well, Mm. To me, the answer has been the rebuilding of your credit, creating a foundation. If you've got all this negative behind you, how to create a positive foundation? The answer is secured credit cards. So secured credit cards, there's some banks and credit unions that offer them. There's some online places that offer them. You can email me after the show if you want to find out more, and I'll send you the ones I recommend. But these secured credit cards, even if you have horrible credit or no history, they will actually help you, and they will give you a credit card. A secured credit card that's backed by a deposit, usually a couple And that'll help you build your credit up very quickly. The other one is authorized user cards. And this one used to be big, but people haven't been using it as much lately. Authorized user is where a friend or a family member, really anybody that has good credit, good payment history, can add you onto their credit card as a user. And that can actually help build your score. It won't be as much of an impact as it being your own, but when you're starting from scratch and you're rebuilding that good credit foundation, that can be key and can get you to being a homeowner literally in just a couple months. If you can give me a short answer, I'm going to sneak okay. one more. Okay. I'm going to sneak one more in. Are there specific credit-related red flags that could hinder a mortgage application, and 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 how can potential home buyers address these issues proactively? Number one red flag on a on a credit report yeah. is going to be a recent late payment in the last 12 months. Any late payment on your credit more than 30 days late in the last 12 months, that's going to be a huge red flag for any lender. Sometimes it could even just stop the loan from getting approved. What if it's a week or two late, not 30 days? If it's but... a week or two, it won't show on the credit. The credit report's only going to show delinquency if it's 30 days or more. Okay, so that's big. High credit card balances, you know, that's a big one. And then the last thing is going to be co-signed loans. If you've co-signed for other people, that can have an impact, especially on your debt-to-income ratio and the amount of house that you can afford All for right. sure. Folks, if you like more information on this show or any of the others that we do, 
Simply head on over to Rob's website, which is uh, robgw.com. Again, robgw.com. If you've got a question that you'd like to have answered, hey, maybe right here on these very airwaves as soon as next weekend, simply send us an email at mortgagemattersradioshow at gmail.com. And if you'd like to schedule a consultation with Rob, very easy to do. Simply write this number down and give him a buzz. 860-413-3938. That's 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long. 